Welcome to Killer Narratives, the podcast where horror stories haunt you in real life. I'm your host, Richard Palmer, and I'm excited to take you on a journey into the darkest corners of the mind. Thank you for joining us today for our second episode. If you end up enjoying today's episode, please remember to like, follow, share, and review it so that others can hopefully find it as well. You can find much more information on our website at killernarratives.com. There you can find links to all our social media accounts, our merch shop, as well as an option to donate to the podcast to help keep it going and reach new audiences. Getting a new podcast off the ground is very difficult, so any support you provide is greatly appreciated. If you have any scary stories you've written and would like to share with the world, please email me at richard at killernarratives.com. You can also email me if you have questions or comments about the podcast. Perhaps, if there are enough questions by the end of Season 1, I will do a little question and answer session. If you want to get extra spooky, I suggest turning off your lights, lighting a candle, and laying in bed while you listen. Now let's get into our story, The Haunting of the Empire Hotel. I got hired as a passenger lift operator at the Empire Hotel, an impressive red and white brick building on 6th Street. My ex-colonel, who thought highly of me due to my commendable character, recommended me for the job. He said, Michael, you'd be great for our hotel. Soldiers are known to be well-mannered and efficient. Sailors may have them beat, but not by much. He was a pleasant fellow when things went his way. However, the previous lift operator had been let go leading to my appointment as his successor. I was excited to work at the Empire, which had a reputation for being one of the most elegant hotels in the city. It was an honor to be chosen as a lift operator, and I wanted to make sure that I performed my duties well. I started on Monday and wasted no time getting acquainted with my responsibilities. The Empire was a large hotel with many floors, and it was my job to make sure that guests were able to get where they need to go. When I first started working there, I didn't know much about the building or its history. However, as time went on, I learned about the many tragedies that had occurred there. Several members of the construction crew had died while working on building the hotel. The wife of the original owner also suffered two miscarriages during construction, and some of the hotel staff said they could hear babies crying in the middle of the night. I am not a superstitious man, though, and did not let these stories bother me. I enjoyed my job and salary for a year, but something happened that made me quit. But I'll get to that later. The elevator at work was hydraulic, which was much safer than those shaky ones that swing like a birdcage in the stairwell. I wouldn't trust my life to those. Our elevator was smooth and secure, like standing on solid ground. Instead of ads like on a bus, we had mirrors inside. The ladies dressed up for the evening could touch up their hair and lipstick while we took them down. It felt more like a cozy sitting room with red velvet cushions to sit on. You just had to hop in and it would lift or lower you as gently as a feather. Everyone who visited the building used the lift to go up or down. Some French visitors called it the ascensor, which was okay. However, I don't understand why Americans, who can speak English and always like to change things, would bother saying elevator instead of lift. 
The word lift has such a nice ring to it, like you're being lifted up by someone's arms. They also changed soft drink to soda and call their toilets bathrooms. The English say that when Americans try to speak English, they always seem to get something wrong. I was in charge of the lift from noon until midnight. By the end of my shift, lots of people were coming in for dinner or to see a show. If they came back late, they had to take the stairs. Another porter worked the lift before me, but not many people used it until after 2 p.m. When it got really busy, the bell was loud and could be heard on every floor. After that rush, it got quiet when everyone sat down for dinner. I could relax in the lift and read my paper, but smoking wasn't allowed. This rule applied to everyone, but foreign men often seemed like their cigars were glued to their lips. Given the limited time I had with each guest in the lift, I didn't get to know any of them terribly well, which was okay by me. I'd often try to make small talk with them, but I was generally ignored. After a while I made it a game to tell a silly joke and try to get the guests to smile, which I found to be quite amusing, even if the guests didn't. If a guest ever asked me how I liked my job, I'd reply it has its ups and downs, and that would usually get a chuckle. I have a good memory and can spot faces easily, so I always knew where people wanted to go in the lift. In November I saw Colonel Saxby at the Empire Hotel. He was tall and thin with a hawk nose, bright eyes, and a gray mustache. He had a bullet wound in his knee and a saber-cut scar on his cheek. It was interesting to see how different officers could look. Colonel Saxby reminded me of a telegram deliveryman. Another colonel I knew was big and round, but always brave and kind. Colonel Saxby's room was number 210 and faced the lift's glass door. Whenever I stopped there, I couldn't help but look. Sometimes, when we were alone in the lift, he asked me about my regiment and its officers. But something about him seemed distant. He was usually lost in thought, standing under the lamp where the light made his face look pale and marked. His collar was always a little crooked, and he wore his cap at an angle. Since the colonel was always on time, I noticed when he didn't use the lift one day. I thought he might have gone away for a few days, so I didn't think much of it. Whenever I went to the fourth floor, his room, number 210, was closed. Usually he left it open, so I always checked to see if he was inside. My chambermaid told me at the end of the week that Colonel Saxby was ill, so I thought he wasn't in the lift lately because he was sick. There was a terrible flu going around town at the time. I was just hoping that I wouldn't catch it as well. I could not afford to miss work and not be paid for too long. On Tuesday night, I was really busy. I didn't have a single break until midnight, when my shift ended. At the stroke of midnight, the electric bell suddenly rang. The lift indicator showed someone was on the fourth floor, so I went up to see who it was. I was curious about who would need the lift so late. When I got there, I saw Colonel Saxby. He was wearing a military coat and hat and looked very pale. His room door was closed, and the scar on his face seemed whiter than usual. He seemed too sick to be going out in the cold, especially since he had been in bed for ten days. He didn't seem to notice me, so I started the lift again. 
He just stood there, with his hat hiding his eyes. I'm happy to see you're feeling better, sir, I said. But he didn't say anything back, and I didn't want to talk to him anymore. He was standing very still with his cloak on, so I was relieved when he got out of the lift. I saluted him as he left and watched him walk towards the front door. Colonel wants to go out, I said to the porter who opened the door, and Colonel Saxby walked out into the snow. He said, The Colonel doesn't look well. That's true, I replied. I don't like the Colonel's looks and he doesn't seem himself at all. He's supposed to be in bed, but he's gone out on a night like this. I think he's got a really nice cloak to keep him warm. Maybe he's dressed up for a ball and wearing the cloak to hide his outfit, said the porter, laughing nervously. We both felt a bit uneasy, but didn't want to admit it. Just as we were talking, the doorbell rang. I turned off the light and said, I'm not taking any more passengers. Then Joe opened the door and two men walked in. I knew they were doctors right away. One was tall and the other was short and chubby. I said, sorry, but it's against the rules to use the lift after midnight, gentlemen. It's only just past midnight and it's a life or death emergency, one doctor said. Take us up to the fourth floor right away. They got into the lift quickly, so we went up. When we got to the fourth floor, they walked straight to room number 210. Chubby doctor asked the nurse, has there been any change for the worse? I heard her reply. The patient died five minutes ago. Despite having no business to speak, I followed the doctors to the door and said, There's a mistake here, gentlemen. I took the colonel down in the lift right as midnight struck. It was someone else you mistook for the colonel, the stout doctor said sharply. It was the colonel and the night porter recognized him just as easily as I did. He was dressed appropriately for the weather, wearing his military cloak. Come in and see for yourself, the nurse said. I went with the doctor into the room, and there was Colonel Saxby lying still, just like before. He was as motionless as his ancestors under the big cloak that covered him. Joe and I stayed up all night waiting for Colonel Saxby to call on us at any moment. Every time the lift bell rang the next day I got nervous and started sweating. It felt like my first time in combat. When we told our manager what happened, he said it was just a dream. The next night, we took the Colonel's coffin in the lift. It barely fit and left no room for error. They carried it into room 210 and I felt a strange sensation waiting for them to return. Four men carried the long coffin across the hallway and placed it with its foot towards the lift door. The manager looked for me when the door opened gently. I can't do it, sir, I said. I took the colonel down at midnight yesterday, and that was enough for me. Push it in, the manager said, speaking short and sharply, and the coffin entered the lift without a sound. The manager got in last, and before he closed the door, he said, Michael, this lift will be your last. It strikes me. I agreed because I wouldn't have stayed at the Empire Hotel after what happened unless they paid me twice as much. The night porter also quit the very same night. 
Thank you so much for joining me today for the second episode of Killer Narratives. Remember to like, follow, and share the podcast if you enjoyed it. You can also visit our website at killernarratives.com for more information.